Your customer's data privacy is important, but so is personalization. Learn how to balance both so you can optimize your ad performance and scalability with Adobe and Meta. Adobe's real-time customer data platform collects and aggregates customer data across channels, helping you build actionable, unified customer profiles. Meta Conversions API creates a direct connection between your marketing data and marketing systems. This helps you better measure results and improve your ad targeting within Meta technologies. Find out more at unlockmarketingdata.com. Increase conversion rates and create privacy-safe targeted ads. Adobe and Meta give you the tools to future-proof your data strategy to go beyond third-party cookies. Visit unlockmarketingdata.com to get started. Welcome to Tech Magic. I am your host, Kathy Hackle. This is the podcast where we dig into technology. We talk about gaming, everything that's happening with tech trends. We're trying to make sense of what might be a fad and what might be the future. And as always, I am joined by my amazing guest co-host, Lee Keebler. Lee, how you doing? I'm good. Um, just, you know, living the dream. Living the dream. I love living it. I love it. the digital dream. <laughs> how was your neighborhood party? It was good. It was good. We had a great time. We've had a great weekend. Um, I love the fall. I'm a fall sucker. Like as soon as it gets past Thanksgiving, I'm just like, eh, Christmas is okay. But like, I, I, I love this time of the year. So, you know, it's, it's been, been great. We had a, a fantastic weekend. Um, got a new computer. So that was kind of like Ooh. my highlight. Uh, the new Mac mini M pro two, that is a slept on computer. It's tiny. Ooh. It's not expensive. It's like, if you want that that pro line Mac in your studio video, yeah. whatever you're doing, like that's the one to like kind of go go look at. Um, I might need one, so I'm I'm actually starting to, you know, as you know, um, start to figure out how to develop a little bit for Apple Vision Pro. And I'm that's what I'm doing too. Ah, so you're using it. Okay, now I know what to get. <laughs> I actually contacted Apple and I was like, "Look, this is what's going on. I need to figure out what." It, and they're like, "No, the M the the M2 Pro is 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 a is a perfectly fine and will will be a good machine for that." So fantastic. Uh, well, that's what I'm getting. And this is not like this is not an Apple ad. We're not being paid by no. Apple to say this. Like literally, this is just chit chat. Um, so that's awesome. But I'll tell you about my. Um, well, today I'm actually quite under the weather. I won't go into detail, but I'm not feeling great. I feel that when you have kids, especially little kids, it's like you're around petri dishes all the time. Okay. Oh, oh my goodness! And let's you know, if you don't get something, you get something else. So it's been a, a rough couple of days, but I'm hanging in there. I'm here. You know, we're recording and and stuff. But you sound great. That, I don't. I'm sorry. Thank you. I feel like I, my voice is a little bit deeper, so it's got like more of the sexy tone, but oh well, <laughs> that, I don't know. I might not have a voice by the end of the week. We'll see. <laughs> that, that podcast tone. <laughs> podcast tone. Yeah. The broadcast. Um, so I will tell you the beginning of my week was fantastic. Um, when we recorded the last episode, I was at the CF, I was getting ready for the CFDA awards. Now break Star that down. Studied. CFDA. What does that mean? Council of Fashion Designers of America. There we go. So, because it could be like Chick Fil A did something, or, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or CMA Awards. Someone's like, "You were at the CMA Awards?" I was like, "No, <laughs> no, I didn't go to the Country Awards. It was more fashion." <laughs> so, um, but it was fantastic. Uh, star-studded night. Um, I'll tell you this: like, uh, uh, biggest names in fashion were there. So, like, Vera Wang was getting honored. Like, Tom Ford was there. Like, it, Tom Brown. Like, it was just. Everyone in fashion all and the all toms. this, 
<laughs> all the Toms were there. Um, and, but also tons of celebrities in amazing, beautiful gowns. So um, at my table, uh, I actually had Sweetie. Uh, I don't know, you know if you know who she is, but she's got that song with Doja Cat, Best Friend. Mm-hmm. And I hope I don't get a correction from my daughter for that one. But I think it's called we'll Best Friend. We'll make it up next week if, if you're wrong. <laughs> but yeah, so Weedy was at my table. Um, I went with my friend uh, Anifa, who's the, the designer of Hanifa. A very fascinating, up-and-coming you know, uh, label. She dressed me. The dress fit perfectly. It was a wonderful night. I mean, Kim Kardashian was there. Anne Hathaway. Serena Williams. Um, literally, like, Table across me was like Demi Moore. Like it, this was nuts. This was this felt like really did the, feel like the Oscars of fashion. Who was the random face you recognize? You're like, oh, I didn't know that they would be here. It had to be um, somebody that stood out. You know who? Like I guess um, Dove Cameron uh, of the. You know, a lot of people know her from um, from the Descendants or some of the other mm-hmm. shows she's done. She's really famous with like younger kids. Um, so Dove Cameron was there. I was kind of surprised to see her. Uh, Camila Mendez as well from River uh, Rivers, Riverdale was there. Uh, they were sitting together chit-chatting a lot, which was fun to kind of watch. And because uh, it's obviously, you know, and someone asked me, like, do you get, you get starstruck? And I said, well, I go to all the big tech events and I've been around, you know, all these really huge, you know, CEOs, right? Tech CEOs, like, you know, every, like everyone from Tim Cook to, you know, Sam Altman. But this is a different type of situation, right? Where I'm probably one of the few tech people in the room. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I, I do feel like for the fashion industry, there there was definitely a lot of talk of sustainability, uh, some talk about innovation. So I think eventually we're going to see more people like us eventually at those events. It's just mm-hmm. not yet, right? Not yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so you didn't see any no wearable <laughs> tech or anything? No, like no, 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 no. Which we didn't I mean, expect. No, I did. Yeah, I mean, I had my eye out, but no. Um, but yeah, it was great. I mean, it was nice. You know, you sit down to have a cocktail before the dinner and it's like, you know, Diane von Fustenberg sitting right next to you. It's like this very weird world um, of fashion. And uh, it felt, you know, as much as I, as, as much work as I do in the fashion world, I still felt like an outsider in some ways because, you know, all these people know each other from the fashion space. So it was nice. It was nice that I still had a few connections. Um, but yeah, I was like, wow, we still have a lot of work to do as tech people to really be part of, of this world. So, uh, so it was interesting. It was interesting. It was definitely interesting. Um, so yeah, it seems that, like was, a, that was an industry just, it seems like an industry that's like primed for digital twinning. You know, there's so much happening and I think we'll get to a little bit of it, um, later on in the show of like wearables that match real world aesthetics and bringing that to, yeah. video games and like social like social uh gaming platform type things um and collectibles and stuff like that where you would think that the fashion industry would be leaning a little bit more into that i mean we've seen some pretty mm-hmm. big brands do that gucci being one of the ones that come to mind first you know um so yeah it, it's it may, they'll they'll catch up they're gonna have to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it was, I think it was interesting. I had some interesting conversations. Um, yeah, I eventually think there'll be a lot more. And, you know, I've been writing a lot about fashion and impact with AI and obviously with spatial computing. We're going to get into that. Um, so, yeah, definitely. And talking about a little, about, a little bit about that and, and, and fashion and kind of the, I mean, literally what took over my feed all last, all, I would say Thursday night up until Friday. 
uh, was the release of the Humane AI pin. I mean, the the mm-hmm. launch of it, you can't order it yet till uh, the 16th. Some folks get to pre-order on the 14th, like myself. Um, but yeah, because I'm special. <laughs> no, not really, because I got on the wait list early. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, you you had a lot of questions why don't you share your thoughts and then I'll share my thoughts. I, I still have a lot of I still have a lot of questions. My opinion has not changed. Um, now it doesn't necessarily mean that my opinion's negative. My opinion is speculative. It is mm-hmm. um, full of pessimism because I've been on this train before. Uh, wearables are hard, and a lot of the things that make these wearables difficult, I didn't necessarily see addressed, and I don't think they're going to be addressed addressed until it it kind of reveals itself as a real tangible item. Things like battery and how things are powered. I'm very skeptical. uh, And I've seen a couple of already negative reviews that have leaned towards the whole projection system Mm -hmm. um, that, that I just don't see how it works like the lights, how light works as in physics. Like you have to rewrite physics to do that. Um, So I don't know. I'm, I'm, it, it, my opinion's not changed. Uh, and I still... Are you going to buy can, one or no? You're just no, going to wait. No, 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 I will wait. I will wait. I will be happy to be wrong. I've been wrong. I've made, you know, pessimistic predictions for technology in the past. And I've lost, uh, you know, and I've made some and I've been like, whoo, dodge that one. Uh, but, uh, and I've been behind some of, I've worked on some of this tech in the past that people got really excited about. I was really excited about, and then it just didn't hit right. Um, you know, you can't, you can't necessarily bat a hundred in this industry at all, uh, especially when it comes to these wearables. But I will say this, I'm always, always very pessimistic when it comes to any device that demands voice uh control as as the as the input i just don't believe in it that's just i don't to me that's not how humans interact with technology um i think we're a very private species that's interesting because i definitely saw a lot of commentary around that like what if you're you know walking on the street you're gonna be talking to this thing the whole time or at the movies or like a lot of these different you shouldn't be using your phone at the movies regardless right but um (laughs) if you're in a quiet place right and, uh, yeah. and things like that. So I'm of two minds. Uh, I'm definitely going to order one, right? I'm one of those people that will get one. Oh, you're one. the quintessential early adopter for oh, like 100%. Tech. I will. Yeah. I, I spend my money on all these things, right? Um, so I will definitely get one. I will test it out. I, I'm interested in seeing the readability of the projection because mm. in the demo, and by the way, that demo video, like I know it was no frills, but like I think it could have been so much, like they come from Apple. Like I wish they would have done something more exciting. Right. Um, I was excited because I love tech, but I was a little underwhelmed. But maybe that's their strategy, right? It's like they're the the thing that comes after the phone and their perspective and and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the readability. I'm interested in the gestures. I'm interested, you know, I was thinking of my parents when I saw this. I said, you know, what would, what would it take for my parents to use this? They would have to learn that if they, you know, they, they tap once or they tap twice or they tapped on the left or the, you know, so there's a lot of things there that, you know, that would require the user to change a lot of behaviors. So I'm interested in seeing, you know, I got interviewed by France TV's uh, France 2 for their evening broadcast. Um, and a couple of days ago to talk about the humane AI pin, they said, is this the future? Does this replace the mobile phone? And I said, what you're seeing right now is transitional equipment. This is a proposition, an idea of what it could be. Does it totally. mean this is the one, the, this is the device that will do it? 
that remains to be seen, right? That requires a mass market to adopt it. I don't think we've seen enough devices to make this the one. And, and this isn't against humane. I'm just thinking about like tech, the history of technology in general. So if we go and we just take what would probably be the closest descendant um, or ancestor of what we're trying to get to, which would be the mobile phone, the smartphone, and we look at it, remove the old Nokias and the old cell phones and just look at what it is as, as a micro tablet. We went through Palm Pilots. We went through the Windows CE operating system. We went through the weirdest. There was like five years where we just had these weird monochrome, low battery powered gadgets that kind of aligned from different companies. And then like, I think the biggest winner of it all was probably BlackBerry found a way to kind of duct tape these ideas together into something that became the first smartphone. But we went through a lot of weird personal computing gadgets in the late 90s, early 2000s um, that I think we've erased from our memory. Uh, did, did you ever watch the documentary General Magic? No, but I Oh I'm my intrigued. gosh, you need to watch that. So I highly recommend to anyone listening to this. So a lot of people have watched the uh, BlackBerry um, you know, st- story, like cinematic yeah, yeah, version yeah. of what happened, right? Yeah. Very interesting. So General Magic, actually the documentary is about a company called General Magic that actually had the idea and the concept for the mobile phone even before Apple. And uh, a lot of the people that worked there went on to work at Apple and create amazing products, but they had this amazing idea. They were just too early. They raised lots of funds. They did a lot of stuff. It was really interesting to watch. Um, I watched it shortly. It came actually shortly after I got laid off from Magic Leap. So there's like this weird sentiment that I had when I watched General Magic uh, related to Magic Leap. But I highly recommend for folks to 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 watch this because I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen with Humane. I, like I'm very... I'm very excited about what they're doing, right? But I think from understanding exactly what you're mentioning, the evolution of all these types of devices and hardware, I think the General Magic documentary is highly, you know, highly recommended. And so we'll put a link in in, in the comments for sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to test it. I'm going to see how I feel about it. I I don't know. Um, It excites me to think about another idea or concept on how we can engage with technology. I'm not sure if if it's this one. We're still very visual. Right. Let so me I don't ask know. a question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a BD question here, business development question, because <clears throat> this is one of the things that stood out as I was watching this. Under the hood of the Humane Pen is basically uh, ChatGPT, mm-hmm. um, and it is like basically the free version of ChatGPT that we all have access to. So what justifies the subscription? I don't know. As an early adopter, I will pay it. I don't mind. But for a regular consumer, I don't know what justifies it other than they really don't want to have a mobile phone. <laughs> like other than like I they absolutely hate their mobile phone or um but I have seen a trend though with younger kids like my like my daughter has a flip phone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like which is interesting cuz like there's you know, a lean my, towards the quote unquote dumb phone that I think yeah. is very interesting. Yeah. There's this kind of generational thing with some of the, some of them are going for dumb phones. I'm not saying this is a dumb phone. This is just not a phone in the sense of the mobile phone, right? This is a, a mobile device. So I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like I, I think they're gonna they're gonna have to lean into really interesting partnerships. I mean, they had Tidal. Tidal doesn't have. I mean, has some market share, but it's they're not massive, right? So I was like, hmm, okay. Um, they're partnering with T-Mobile, obviously, for um, you know for being able to use it on 
on Wi-Fi and on a network. Well, not Wi-Fi, yeah. on a network, on, on, on the network. So I, I don't know. And T-Mobile has a history of launching really unique first adopter tech like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people forget that T-Mobile was who produced the Sidekick. To me, the Sidekick was the I first had a sidekick. smartphone. I yeah. had a Sidekick, yeah. That was they they did that and I've always respected them for kind of taking a risk when it comes to to new technology in that field. So I again, these are the questions I think should be asked. I don't think we have answers. Um yeah. and I'm, I'm I'm curious to see it come together. Well, my evolution there was like I had like a, a like a, one of those old phones, but then I eventually when I got like a smartphone, it was a Sidekick. Then I went to a BlackBerry and I was like, I'm never going to give up my BlackBerry. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Then I, and then obviously iPhone. And that's where I've stayed the whole time. So that actually, you bring up a, a good question for, well, let me ask you this. Humane AI pin, future or fad? I'm still on the fad side. I mean, it's hard to just say that out loud without seeing it. I don't want to be the the wet blanket on it. Um, <laughs> I, it, it and I, again, I'm welcome to be proven wrong. Uh, I just... I don't get it yet, and nothing they showed helped me get it more. I'm going to say future. I'm a little bit more, yeah, I'm a little bit more more bullish on it. We'll see. I don't I don't know if it's the device, but I think it's a way to start in, in you know, in a different idea. I applaud anyone who's trying to make a wearable right now. It, yeah, it's it's a hard. necessary industry. So, like, again, wearables, future for sure. But I... I sent you, I, I, we were kind of on Slack talking about this a couple yeah. of days ago, but there is one thought that has been just hitting me in the back of the head and won't let go. And that is, I'm, I'm more interested in the idea of devices that do singular things very well. Um, so like a as, peripheral? Uh, yeah. You know, um, I think we keep trying to think of a wearable that tries to do it all mm-hmm. and they all kind of fall flat um, as opposed to wearables being enhanced accessories that do the thing they do very well. Um, I think about things that like we, we wear, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I consider earbuds a wearable glasses Mm -hmm. are a wearable. My wedding band is a wearable. Um, And, and right now, they are very limited in what they do, especially like yeah. the wedding band, right? Um, but as that tech gets smaller, can rings do more for biometric data collection? And that's all it does. It doesn't need to have a projector in it. It doesn't need to have to yeah. do X, Y, and Z. It's just a very good, X, you know, fill in the blank. Um, same thing with things like um, the evolution of the hat has done nothing in years, like oh, decades. That's interesting. You know, huh. <laughs> like there's these well, things I that food for don't thought know. there. I'm like, mm, and I, I love hats. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Hmm. That's what I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of wondering where that will eventually lead when, and if we're not looking right now, we're going where a wearable that does everything. And I'm going, well, does it have to? What? what uh, d- d- yeah. Does it have to? That's a brilliant question to ask. So, all right. Well, I'm sure there's some startup, some startup out there working on the future of hats. So call me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I like my hats. <laughs> Um, all right. So one thing you mentioned about the human AI pin, right, is ChatGPT and how it, yep. it uses, you know, um, OpenAI's um, system. Let's talk about the OpenAI Dev Day, right? Um, they announced a lot of stuff, and we're not going to get into it because that's, you know, that a lot of people already have covered this. 
But let's talk a, l- a little bit about what we might be building, right? So I got access really early, uh, really early on, only a few days after the announcement, like a day or two after the announcement. And I decided to go in and, you know, build a GPT that would al- would tell me what it was for me. This I built this for me, right? Uh, it would, you know, it would use the last 90 days of data on my LinkedIn, on all my posts, on how my posts are doing, engagement, all those sorts of things. And would help me craft, you know, posts that would be really, really good and would tell me when's the ideal time to post. So I created that GPT. I'm still fine tuning and it's not perfect, right? But it's getting better and better. And, you know, and it'll tell me or if it'll give me a post, I'll be like, hey, what do you rate this? And I'll say eight, eight of a 10. And I'll say, can you make it a 10? Right. So I love I love being able to, to use this technology, these GPTs for myself. Um, one of the plans I had this weekend is to get with my kids and build some GPTs for them. I didn't get a chance. Um, but yeah, what are, what are you building? You know, I have not gotten into the building phase of it all right now. Um, I mean, with my day-to-day work, it, yeah. it, it's been it's been super busy and we're wrapping some stuff up. But I'm like looking forward to the winter holidays and the breaks that come along with it because there's so much here to dive into. Um I'm right now in the process of trying to figure out how to build something, you know, I would want to build something similar um, for, for what you're saying, like, heck, I might just, you know, how do I subscribe to your LinkedIn uh, <laughs> chat GPT? Cause that sounds incredibly helpful. Um, but I, you know, and I haven't actually talked about this on the air and I don't want to go too far into it right now, but like I'm in the process of writing a novel um, and I'm doing everything I can not to leverage AI in the process of writing the first draft. I want to be able to say this was not written by AI um, because spoiler alert, it's actually a bit about AI. Uh, But um, I I have questions on how to like interface with that industry um, and, and how to, you know, how does self-publishing work and all of that. And I have, I'm, I'm starting to come up with a plan to have to leverage uh, a system like GBT for for that interaction because it's something so foreign to me as a person, but it is information that is readily out there and can create plans and create schedules and postings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I'm I'm on the same line, but I'm I'm kind of thinking about it as a entry point for in industry areas that I am not familiar with. I love that, I, and I've seen a lot of people build different things, share them, post them, right. Um, I'm still fine-tuning mine, so I'm not ready to share. Like, I guess I'm a perfectionist in that way. Well, when you need a <laughs> guinea pig, let me know. Yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, so, yeah, okay, so GPTs, creating your own GPTs, future or fadly? Oh, 100% future. I'm with 100% you. 100% future. It's the future until a larger company buys them and puts a different name on it or f- steals their idea and recreates it better. <laughs> I don't know which will happen, but it's not going away as a process. The, the funny thing is, like, when they announced this, I thought, this is an amazing tool. I can't wait to get my hands on it. But then I was like, wow, they just killed a whole bunch of startups. Right? So I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, I, I try not to get too hung up on, I mean, I've had my startups killed over and over and over again. Like, that's what startups do. Most startups don't start. That's true. Uh, you know, um, so it, that's just part of the game and has always been. And as technology replaces old technology... That's yeah. life. That's always That's life. been life. That's life. Watch the, the Blackberry cra- story. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the story of humanity. 
Mm-hmm. It's the story of the town crier getting replaced with the printing press. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's it's been life. This is what technology does. And every time that there's another, you know, business trade article that comes out saying this technology is replacing all of these jobs, it always has. You know, um, well, I hope it replaces, it but also builds, you know, allows and it us does. To it creates jobs. new things. I mean, think yeah. about what you're doing right now. You're you're self-educating yourself on how to build this yeah. this profile. And there will absolutely be businesses and people who do not want to know how to do that, who will then hire people to then develop those yeah. tools. Um, you know, 10 years ago, it was impossible to say, uh, yeah, I run a virtual and augmented reality business <laughs> that, like, what yeah if you go back to They're 2013 <laughs> that was not a thing no yeah. that that maybe some people had the vuforia was on the ar side kind of like chugging away trying to figure out how to do things and uh oculus was a kickstarter it's funny because i i made the switch around around that time and i remember people were like you are insane what is this thing you're VR, AR, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I got that. Like, sk- like, just no, no. Like, what are you doing? What What are you doing with your life? Look at me now. <laughs> I've got my own podcast here <laughs> on Hadweek Tech Magic. Um, so, yeah. So, um, because I'm not feeling great, we're gonna kind of wrap this up quickly, make it nice and tight episode. Go get some rest. Yeah, and but I do. We do have Cynthia Miller, the new director of innovation for Paris Hilton's Eleven Eleven as our guest interview, and she's going to talk about amaz- the amazing work they're doing, um, some of the things that we're both looking at when it comes to gaming and culture. And, you know, obviously we always talk about gaming on this podcast and everything. So let's go to break, and we'll come back in a bit. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. So I have the amazing Cynthia Miller from 1111 Media with me. Cynthia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kathy. So lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. 
I love it. I am so thrilled that you're here because you and I actually got to meet in person. Uh, what was it in May, May of this year in Edinburgh uh, oh when God. I went there for a time? It was May. Can you believe that? That's crazy, oh. right? <laughs> a million years was. ago. Um, but yeah, I was visiting and I realized that you lived there and I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, you're one of the most fascinating people I know. I was like, let's meet for coffee. And we had a fantastic time. So, oh, you're so kind. And so, you know, obviously feel exactly the same way. As soon as I saw your, your message, I was like, uh, hell yes. I'm clearing my morning. I'm getting coffee with Kathy. <laughs> um, and, and that was such a wonderful conversation. I can't believe how fast time flies. So yeah, really excited to be chatting with you and, and explore all the things that you're up to and also what 1111 is up to. I know you guys are doing, I mean, ever since we've spoken, you've done so many things like we can't even, right? Um, but for <laughs> folks that, you know, might not have come, acro come across you or 1111, mm -hmm. a lot of people have, but a lot of people might not, it might be mm -hmm. new to them. Tell them a little bit about who you are and then we'll talk a little bit, a little bit about what you do at 1111. Great. Okay. So I am the head of innovation for 1111 Media, which is Paris Hilton's next gen global entertainment company. And I'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, but essentially, as head of innovation, it means that I lead the charge on all of the incredible innovation initiatives that Paris and 1111 are currently doing. And that, and that really blends her vision, her values with gaming, metaverse, web three, you know, pushing forward pop culture with avatars, digital fashion, Roblox, immersive marketing, like all of the amazing stuff, basically dream job. Um, and I think, you know, it's been a really interesting winding path to this particular role. My background is in advertising, brand strategy, gaming, blockchain gaming, and, um, came to know Paris and the team. And so when I joined, it just felt like this is incredible. Like here's an OG, you know, influencer, but also someone who really prides herself on seeing around corners and seeing into the future and who has a real willingness to innovate and go there first and pioneer. So it's so much fun. And it basically means that I get to work on the coolest projects. You know, we recently did a big Roblox launch of Sliving Land. Um, we're looking at gaming more broadly. We're having a lot of fun with Avatar. It's just <laughs> such an incredible space, you know, not just for Paris, but also working with her brand partners to innovate and kind of shepherd them into this scary, incredible new future. It is. It's super exciting. And in this podcast, we talk a lot about gaming. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, every week it's always something that comes up, whether it is Five Nights at Freddy's or whether it's, you know, Fortnite mm -hmm. having their OG map. Like, it's just been something we constantly talk about. So, I love that you're, you know, I love that you're part of this world and that you're innovating and I love that you're a woman doing that. So yeah. Hell knows? yes. Hell yeah. Nice I know. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. So tell folks a little bit about, you know, what you're doing in this new role. Cause this is, you got mm -hmm. this is a fairly new role for director mm -hmm. of innovation at 1111 media, but you said a little bit about what you do, but like, how are you, like, are, what are the things you're looking forward to as you look at 2024 mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, head of innovation, like that's that's a big title. It is. And it's also exhilarating and terrifying in equal measure. Um, but, you know, I think I think the beauty of working with Paris and the incredible team that we have is there's so much living sparkle, but also we really get to work with a world class team across you know, digital, marketing, creative, we have an incredible entertainment team, product team, licensing team. So it's not just gaming, but I think the beauty of Paris's cinematic universe, if I can call it that, is we can touch on so many different things. Um, in terms of gaming, oh my God, where do I even start? I think 
when we're looking at what we've done in the past, but also using that to inform our future priorities, we know that gaming is culture. Like, you know that. I'm sure that all the respondents on this podcast know that Oh, yeah. Well. They've heard me say it. <laughs> I mean, just look at look at what's happened in the last, like the last week. You know, you've seen the, um, the news of a Legend of Zelda live action being announced. We're seeing more and more gaming IP really commanding audiences across mediums. Fortnite just broke DAU records, which is unreal. And literally just before I got on this podcast, I saw the news that Snoop Dogg is launching Death Row Games. Have you Death seen Row that? Death Row Games? I saw that with the sun. I was I like, mean, that so, is brilliant, brilliant move. So brilliant. So iconic. Um, talk about another OG. I, like, talk uh, about another I mean, OG. Complete, like, yes. Such an OG. And there's also that throwback ad with Snoop in Paris from like back in the what? day for the T-Mobile sidekick, which is obviously hilarious. Um but I think just, you know, we're seeing such a fusion of music and fashion and lifestyle within gaming platforms and adjacent to gaming platforms. Like there's so many examples. I'm, you know, I'm sure I could rattle them off. I'm sure you know them as well. But I think just yeah. as a touchstone for pop culture trends, but also as a way of shaping pop culture trends and movements, I think that's why I'm so excited about it as a brand strategist, as a storyteller, as someone who's working really closely with Paris's entertainment teams and content teams. We're looking at this medium and going, this is where people are spending so much time, like an incredible amount of time. This is where they're forging their digital identities. And as our, you know, our IRL identities accordion with our avatar identities, what does that mean for someone who is really seen as an inspiration and as a role model for future generations? So I think there's so much fun to be had here. Bringing it back to Paris and 1111, um, we're exploring gaming in so many different aspects. You know, a, a small bit of that is is Roblox and Slivingland. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing that and launching that and more surprises to come. But I think it even goes so far as, you know, Paris was the face of the new mischief big yellow boot. I don't know if you yes. saw that over the summer, the boot that broke the internet. She did it again. I think, you know, really leaning into how does this impact fashion with hyper-realism? How does this impact content? How does this impact fandoms? I think it really is the future. Um, I think there's so much that I don't know that excites me. And I think this is where pop culture is being shaped. So it's only right that Paris is really leading into this space. I love that because it is true. Like this, there's so much culture being created in these spaces, right? And like, I even look at like, everyone's like, everyone's talking Gen Z and they're talking TikTok and that's mm -hmm. huge. I mean, that's driving a lot of trends. But to me, it's like you have to look at TikTok and some of the trends there and gaming as well. And some of them that mm -hmm. are kind of cross like crossbreeding in some ways and coming back and forth between those. A hundred percent. I mean, have you seen, oh God, I don't remember the, the name of it, but there's a new TikTok trend, which is like cooperative gaming, where basically a whole bunch of people are live streaming a game together and creators are raking in tons of money because people are, you know, spending to be able to inch forward their team or, or another. Oh my gosh, I wish I knew the name of the game. But I think you're right. It's not just how are these two mediums crossing over, but actually where are they overlapping and where does that become really interesting? It's social, it's social gaming. And I think that's where... You see even platforms like Roblox kind of pushing back on the word metaverse to describe what they do. There's social games and there's social experiences. Gamification is just part of how you and I would hang out there. And I think that's that's really interesting. That's a totally new playbook. A hundred percent. And like I always I always take it from the lens of my kids. Like that is their new social mm -hmm. network. Mm -hmm. Like my kids are Gen Alpha, pretty young. They're where they hang out with their friends, if they're not at school or, you know, doing something 
um, in the in the physical world, they're hanging out with them in, in games. Like that's where they're mm-hmm. spending their time. They're having all these experiences. Mine are really young, like mine are pretty young, so they're not on social, mm-hmm. but that's where they're spending their time. They're in these gaming platforms. So it's crazy. Yeah, it's fascinating. What do you think oh, about like, Gen Z, Gen Alpha? Like what's, you know, generationally how things are changing in that perspective? Oh my gosh. Um, so I think <laughs> so many things are changing. I think, um, again, looking at it through the lens of, of Paris Hilton and 11.11, we recently commissioned a, uh, a study with UTA, yeah. her talent agency, looking at Paris's influence and reach amongst different demographics. Mm-hmm. And what we were so surprised to find was that she is, you know, her her awareness and her recognition is off the charts, through the roof. But really, it's Gen Z who know Paris and love Paris the most. And speaking as an elder millennial who grew up with Paris. Geriatric millennials. <laughs> Geriatric millennials. I'm like, oh, my God. God. <laughs> Devastating. Like a knife to the heart. Um, as someone who grew up with Paris, I thought it would be millennials who have the most affinity, but it's not. She has this spread across generations. So I think, you know, a lot of what we do at 11.11 is thinking about um, – launching products, content, commerce across, you know, specifically for Gen Z. And I think the first thing that we always have to tell ourselves is we have to have the humility to know that we don't know it all. Like get your ego out of the way. Those previous playbooks might not work and we have to learn all over again by meeting them where they are. I think a really good example of a brand who's doing this in exceptional, really thoughtful ways, Claire's. I don't know if you've seen their recent work and marketing work. Really, really interesting stuff. If you dig into it, I mean, the fact that they're working with AI visuals and they're using avatars in the shopping flow. But I think the thing that really got me was they've launched a new content series. I think it's called like Dear Claire's or something where they literally pass the mic over to Gen Z and Gen Alpha girls. And it's like, what do you want to talk about? What's your on your mind? And then how do we really build a community around them? And then using that content series as a bit of a talent scout for you know ambassadors of the program that to me is such a masterclass in how you do it and how you speak to the community in a way that's not patronizing in a way that's authentic and genuinely building those experiences from content to commerce for them that to me is just it, it it's so interesting it's brilliant and it's sometimes I, when i talk to a lot of executives right sometimes i tell them the reality is like exactly what you said like leave your ego behind sometimes i'll literally will come into a room and i'll say you know what the smartest person in the room here might be the youngest person here because they're in touch with that world. And, you know, they're, mm-hmm. you know, seniority. I'm like, no, this kid over here knows more about culture and current trends than you think because you get a report from, you know, whoever it is. Oh, so, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad that you say that. And I think it's something that we're really trying to put into practice at 11.11. So obviously with the launch of her Roblox community, you know, myself and our Discord community manager spend a lot of time with mm-hmm. fans and with Paris's fans' kids going, how are you playing Simulant? Because it's probably not how we're using it. Like, what do you find really interesting? What are you doing? What are the little insights and nuggets of behaviors that we never in a million bazillion years would have dreamed up? And then how do you design around that with empathy? Um, I think the more senior you get, the more, I guess, out of touch or less on the front lines you are. And I think it takes a real bit of courage to go, no, I don't know. Let's go and speak to people who are doing this at the front lines. That's well, yeah. I also think the more senior you get, especially on the corporate ladder, the less appetite for risk you might have, right? So it's like that idea, like I've seen so many executives that like, uh, we've, they've never played Roblox or Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And like, I get them to I get, the, I give them a switch and we start playing and it's like their, blank, their brain clicks. But at first they're really scared. 
Like if they're not dangerous, they're not. They're like, I don't want to touch that thing. I don't want to make a fool of myself. I'm like, no, this is right. a safe space. Let's play this, and you're going to understand why these kids are so into dressing their avatars and you know mm-hmm. building and decorating their homes in virtual spaces. So, I 100 percent agree with you. I, I want to chat a little bit about AI. You brought that up. Let's do it. You know what are your? I mean, you're the head of innovation. AI has taken over the headlines. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. metaverse has become. A little bit of a bad word. Yes, <laughs> no one weird, wants to use it, it anymore. It's okay. That's fine. I'm going to keep godmothering <laughs> it, you know, whatever. Yes. But, <laughs> but what are your thoughts around AI? Like AI in general, its impact on how things, on culture, on gaming. Like what is your perspective on it? Uh, we are going to need longer on this we podcast. Need a couple hours. I reckon. <laughs> we, we need another couple hours. I need to come see I think, you. Oh, yes. Let's, let's do that. I think. Genuinely, there are tectonic shifts every single day. Um, I think it's it's exciting, it's terrifying, it's um, deeply humbling, and I think its implications across you know business, media, culture, gaming, all of those are incredibly different but interlinked. I saw um, a statistic the other day that was really interesting. You know, contrary to popular belief, I don't think AI is going to take twenty percent of all jobs but it is going to disrupt 20% of every single job. And I think that reframing of like, how can we unleash more creativity, more productivity, a new way of thinking, that to me is really interesting. The terrifying piece of it is, you know, look at Grok, look at disinformation, look at the proliferation of misinformation with real devastating political, humanitarian and personal consequences. That to me, I think the fact that technology is, surging so far ahead of of our laws and a lot of our social norms. I think that is obviously the scary bit. Um, The exciting bit, I mean, again, just this week, the release of custom chatbots and GPT, I think that to me is going to be the next. Have you you gone into it? I don't have access yet. How do I get access? I've got ChatGPT Plus. I need an in. I've been literally like dying to play with it. Um, I honestly can't wait to get my hands on it because I can see the use cases and the implications, not just for internally at 11.11, but like for Paris connecting with her fans, her products, her ventures, entertainment. I think it, you know, genuinely it's going to unleash a whole new wave of startups, the ecosystem of apps where anyone can make a GPT wrapper and scale it and publish it and monetize. That's a tectonic shift. That's huge. Um, I think the thing that I find most interesting is probably in the realm of entertainment and, and sort of media specifically. I think, you know, we're seeing movie trailers and whole films being built in runway. Mm-hmm. The thing that's fascinating to me is can you imagine, you know, a new piece of IP or incubating IP that's made in these worlds from the start? Like what would a new show from Paris or whoever or another creator look like if it was open to fan remixing from the get-go and using those generative tools to create music or to create alternate storylines or choose your own adventure of several series? Imagine if fans were rewarded for shaping that next gen of shows off the products, etc. I think it really is a complete paradigm shift and I think it's going to reward the IP, the studios, the brands that marketers and know how to lean into it and instead, you know, don't retreat into this is this is an IP nightmare. We're He's very risk assist. averse. Yeah, don't new. touch my IP. Yeah. Don't touch my IP. You know, we're going to have to send lawyers after you. I think the creative possibilities 
are incredible. Um, again, terrifying, but that that ability for fans, sorry, for creators to speak to fans mm-hmm. directly and co-create together. I think Zoe calls it the multiplayer yeah. brand. Genius, exactly. Genius, genius. We've got it. We got we've got her coming up in a couple of weeks, and she talks a lot about the multiplayer brand. Exactly mm-hmm. what you're mentioning. It's this convergence of co-creation, of collaboration, of of really benefiting both across the fans and the brand and creating it's it's morphing into brands are morphing into something new right mm-hmm. they're they're creating something new and the ones that don't get that the future is heading that way are Absolutely. not going to fare as well unless they're you know unless unless they're like a Louis Vuitton or something but uh, yeah of course and i think yes. you're right it's you know almost morphing it into into a sandbox and and mm-hmm. the word that 1111 uses all the time more than anything else is flywheel like mm-hmm. how does paris think about content driving physical product driving series driving community it's that flywheel. And I think AI makes the feedback loop run so much faster. Mm-hmm. So the possibility for testing and learning just much more quickly is, is fascinating. This is so awesome. And before we, before we end, I do want to ask you, like, what are you thinking about? I mean, it's, we're in November, right? Mm-hmm. What are you starting to think about when you think of 2024? What are you excited about when you look at next year? Are you looking for um, anything? And it's oh not predictions. Gosh, I mean, I'm like, this. everyone's going to start yeah. doing all the prediction shows, right? And it's not like that. It's more like, what are you excited about when you think of next year? I'm really excited about two things. I'm excited about exploring the connective tissue between all of Paris's businesses. And I think that's why this head of innovation role is really interesting. We have, we're so fortunate in that we have all those different sandboxes to play in, music, fashion, apparel, beauty, entertainment. But it's more the permission to explore, like, what are the interesting intersection points between them? Like, how does fashion link to gaming? How does entertainment link to product with AI? I think it feels like that awful meme, you know, with like the red string and that guy who's kind of like, right, let me figure it out. It feels like that, um, trying to find the dark matter spaces in between them. So that's sort of the first thing. I think the second is, you know, with this role and with this title, it's really the permission to train myself to be curious. And it's not just curiosity as um, as a nice to have, but really as a skill set and as a best practice that has to be continually honed. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I love that. This has been such a great talk. If anyone wants to connect with you, reach out to you, what's the best mm-hmm. way they can do that? Uh, LinkedIn. or LinkedIn, Twitter, come play with me in Slivingland and Roblox. You know, we're always excited to chat to interesting people. And I think specifically with Paris, she's always up for collaborating with incredible forward thinking brands and, and innovators and thinkers. So would love to connect with you. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on Tech Magic. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. So that was a fantastic interview with Cynthia. She is brilliant. Lee, if, if I can ever have you and Cynthia in the same room, I would like just have a blast. I think we would have <laughs> fantastic, fantastic time. Talking we can make about that happen. Her. I know. Right. <laughs> so that would be super fun. Um, yeah. So now we have uh, Lily, our producer, who I don't know how she manages to do this, but she finds some weird stories <laughs> around tech and, you know, and, and everything, all the strange stuff that's happening out there. And she always sends us all these stories and we end up deciding, you know, hmm, which one might be the weirdest one. We get all of her stories and there's one that's always a strange outlier. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'll do this one. So uh, she's going to join us and do Dispatch from the Fringe about, get this, rats and virtual reality. So, uh, Lily, take it away. 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Lee. What? Uh, on some level, aren't we all just rats in virtual reality? Some level. Apparently, we're all part of a simulation, <laughs> according to Elon Musk. So we're all rats in virtual reality. <laughs> so Lily, take it away. Hey, Kathy and Lee. And this week's Dispatch from the Fringe, I have a story for you about rats in virtual reality. Okay, not exactly. Have you ever wondered if humans are the only species that has imagination or can think outside of the box? Well, researchers in this article from Scientific American have thought the same thing, but about rats. So rats are apparently able to think about locations and objects that are not immediately in front of them. They can create a model of places they've been, like a GPS map, in their brain. So to figure out if this was true, scientists outfitted rats with a brain-machine interface and then placed the rats on a spherical treadmill that was surrounded by tiny screens. And then they used a projector to broadcast a virtual reality-type environment on the screens to create the illusion that rats were moving through space as they ran on the treadmill. And honestly, which one of us wouldn't want a spherical treadmill to run around in in virtual reality? So from this, they found that rats were able to predict and determine where they were going in VR. But some scientists who read the study had questions about this. So do rats have imagination? Or did the researchers happen to tap into the subconscious predictive code inside the animal's hippocampus? Only more research will find out. Thanks for tuning in from this week's Dispatch from the Fringe. Okay, Lee, what do you think? I mean, I guess we're all rats in virtual reality, but wow. Yeah, I... We, we've we been experimenting on rodents for so long, nothing surprises me if you really take a thought of it, but... Uh, poor rodents. Poor, poor, I do feel poor. bad for them. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Poor, poor little, poor mice. Anyway, um, yeah, just count on us to bring, <laughs> to bring some craziness to the podcast. Like I always say, come for the tech, stay for the magic, and maybe the weirdness. <laughs> it's my favorite segment, to be totally honest. I yeah. it's always something I've never thought about and makes me question everything. Everything, right? So rats in VR. <laughs> anyway, Lee. So uh thanks for joining me this week. It's been awesome having you, and we'll keep having you for a couple more episodes, maybe more. We'll see what happens, right? I'm here. <laughs> awesome. So I want to thank everyone for listening to Tech Magic. Come for the tech, stay for the magic. Uh, we are thrilled that everyone has been giving us new reviews, uh, that people have been recommending the podcast. We're starting to look great on the charts. Great feedback. We're hearing from a lot of potential sponsors. So I just want to say thank you to all our listeners for sharing uh, the podcast and reviewing it and for the amazing sponsors that are starting to come in. This is so fantastic. So anyway, thank you so much to Adweek. Thanks to everyone for listening. So subscribe, leave us a review, and we'll be back here next week for some tech magic. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. 
the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.